The shadows of storm and night. The mysteries of life and light. From unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm your host, Beck. Today, my guest is a paranormal investigator. He's been investigating for over 30 years. Founder and manager of the Awakening, he frequently hosts the 3 a.m. Ghost Box session live streams. He's also an amazing Ghost Box builder. I have one of his builds and I can attest to this and hands down say it's my favorite physical boxes that I own. Please welcome Rob Hernandez. Hi, Rob. Thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. And thanks for having me. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about, but I usually like to start by giving my listeners a little background history. So I heard my first paranormal experience when I was about four years old. I actually saw an apparition known as a hat man. People that have been investigating for quite a while. There's a gentleman that's seen by many people, um, it's been documented, well-documented. It's basically, it's an older, I would think an older gentleman who's in kind of like a top hat with uh, long coattails. So somebody, you know, that's in period clothing. Yeah, it was kind of, kind of a crazy experience. I was at my mom's girlfriend's house and we we're there visiting and I had to go to the restroom and I saw, just because I, I, I would always go to the bathroom with the door open when I was a kid because I would get these weird feelings when I went sometimes when I was in a location, somebody's house or anywhere. I mean, anywhere that I would go, if I had like a weird feeling, I would leave the door open and I would turn on <laughs> all the lights, the hall light, the bathroom light, whatever light I could find. So yeah, it was weird. I just, well, I went in there and I kind of had a feeling that somebody was watching me. So I turned around and I saw this this man standing there and it scared the crap out of me. So I ran out of the bathroom, didn't flush the toilet. I just ran. And, um, so my mom asked me, you know, what's the matter? And, and then, uh, I kind of said that, oh, I saw this man standing there and it scared me. So I ran and I kind of overheard the, um, her girlfriend say, oh my God, he saw what I saw. And I guess they were talking about it as I was growing up, I would have those same feelings. So I didn't know what they were until later. I was about 12 and I was going to be in a wedding. So I went to this location that is well known and it's known to be haunted. And I didn't know that at the time. So before the wedding rehearsal, I was kind of exploring an old Adobe building here in California. So we were there and I was kind of wandering around and I went upstairs because outside there's like a terrace. So you can walk upstairs and then there's a balcony that kind of wraps well it's on one side of the uh the building so i was walking up there and peeping through the windows and i kind of got that feeling again it, it's almost like it really like you have really bad anxiety and your heart's like pounding so it's like and it always kind of freaked me out what that feeling was like i said i didn't know what it was until this day so i was looking through the window and i saw this lady walking and then she started walking towards me and i ran um <laughs> And so I was downstairs just like staring up because I ran into the courtyard and was just staring up at the building and she never came out and all the doors are locked. And I was like, where's this lady? And she was like in 
a black dress, long black dress, kind of with, uh, I guess, lace kind of around the neck area. So she never came out. So later on, I found out that she has been seen quite often. And I've seen her, God, probably like three times after that, just investigating that location. I've actually got a couple of pictures of her. Wow. So, yeah. So I have a lot of evidence of that location. I've investigated there probably a good 15, 15 times over the years. Did you get some history on the lady that you saw? Yeah, her name's uh, Theodora um, Olivas. It's um, It was owned by the Olivas family. So there's five spirits that are known to haunt that location. And she's like the most known spirit to haunt the location. There's also a little boy that I picked him up as an attachment. And one night during the investigation, we were there and I felt like a little boy standing right next to me. And I'm very intuitive. So anyway, I just was picking up on the little boy and there was a psychic there. I didn't know she was psychic at that time. She was like, Hey, do you know that there's a little boy following you around? And I just said, what? And I just kind of like looked at her and smiled and she said, Oh, you knew that. And I said, yeah, kind of. And she said, no, there's a little boy walking around with you. And I said, that's what I thought. And I said, thank you for confirming that. Because it's just a feeling that I had, but for somebody else to validate that. And then so later, this girl that I've that I met that night, we kind of started talking. So she was walking around with me and while we were talking and also there with a couple other people, too. So um, this was like a public investigation. She took a picture and later to find out that she captured a little boy. And we were talking in the parking lot and she showed me this little boy and she said, yeah, that was taken right after you walked through the door. And wow. I said, oh my God. So, and then I told her, you know what? It was funny because somebody told me, Hey, do you know that there's a little boy following you around? And then I said, and that's something that I picked up on. And then she confirmed it. And now you took a picture and captured that. So probably a couple of months later, we noticed that my dog would always go running into the bathroom. She would just sit there and start wagging her tail. And then she would go into the bathroom and she'd be in there for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then she would come back out. And, and it was like, she was playing with something and I didn't think anything of it. And then she kept on doing that. So one night we did a ghost box session and we got this little boy coming through and we asked him his name and he said, Peter. And it was kind of funny. So we're like, okay, so kind of left it alone whenever i pick up something in my house i kind of don't play into it so i was working from home one day and i was walking by the bathroom and i saw this little boy standing there out of the corner of my eye and i looked and i was like okay i know i saw him and then my dog just stopped and she was wagging her tail and sat down like staring into the bathroom and the light was off so I asked my friend to send me the picture of the little boy that she captured. And when I looked at it, I said, oh my God, that's him. Just because I haven't seen that picture in a while. So I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I saw. Uh, he had like a little jacket on, shorts, high socks, you know, dressing period clothing. But we were like, okay, we got to do another box session. And we never really did it. So one day I had to go to the restroom. I went to the, the same restroom, came out. I went into my office because my office was right next to that restroom. My girlfriend at that time 
went to go use the restroom and the door was locked. And she said, why did you lock the door? And I said, I don't lock the door. You know, I don't even lock the door when I go to the restroom. <laughs> and so we got the key, opened up the, the door, and there was toilet paper spewed all over the bathroom, over oh, the boy. toilet, over the shower. And she was like, what the hell did you do? And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, come here. And when I walked in there, that's what I saw. And I was like, yeah, like I'm going to do that because I'm the one that's going to have to clean it up. So we said, okay, we got to do another ghost box session. And then we did. And we got that little boy again coming through. So we said, okay, we're going to take you home tomorrow. So we decided to go back to the Adobe and we just said, when we leave, we'll tell you when it's time to go. And we want you to come with us. We're going to take you home. And so that's kind of what we did. We went back. I just kind of said, Hey, you're home now please, you have to stay here. You can't follow me home again. This is your home. This is where you have to stay. Then we left and went home and didn't have any issues after that. So, or any experiences after that. So it was kind of, kind of cool experience. That's awesome. I actually answered one of my listeners questions and they had asked, had any entity ever followed him home? And if they have, did they haunt you and your family? And if so, what did you do to remedy this situation? Oh, that's cool. Going back to when you were a kid, you saw the hat man mm-hmm. and he, he's classified as a shadow man, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, or shadow and, person. Yeah. Yeah. Shadow person. And so I had a couple questions for you in regards to your thoughts on this. Firstly, I want to know, what do you think, in your opinion, a shadow person is? Do you think that they're different than a ghost? Um, no, I, I honestly, I think it's the same type of deal, but I think... Oh, and I have another story about a shadow person in that same location that I was just talking about. I think it's somebody that's more prevalent and they're not like, like with me, I think there are certain times when, when they call like the veil or the dimension between our living world and the afterlife, when there's an opening and that's when people will see a spirit or, or an apparition or something. So it's like, there's like a brief opening and then it closes. Um, that's what I believe, but I think a, a, a shadow person, I think is a more of an attachment to that particular location and they, they make their presence known at any time. So that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just my beliefs because it seems like when people will go into a location and they see shadows all the time, I just think that those are more, I guess, tied to the location. I don't know. Interesting. Cause I, I've been receiving emails and Facebook links and things from groups where they're noticing an uptick in shadow people as far as people are just seem to be coming across them more now than ever. I'm wondering what's your thoughts on why that might be? Yeah. You know, I, I just think, I think everybody has their, I guess their energy that they bring or they're more prone to seeing things because maybe they're more open than other people. Some people might be closed off. Yes, they might think that, oh yeah, no, I'm open to that, but they're really not. So I think subconsciously they're they're closed off to seeing anything. And that's why I think so, some people will see more spirits and others won't. But um, I just think energy has a lot to do with it. Just from listening to your stories, I noticed that you're clairvoyant. I know you said you're intuitive. It's not very often that people get to actually see them with their own eyes. No, and that's the thing. And see, I don't really claim myself to be a clairvoyant or anything. 
that's just me but other people are saying oh no you're definitely a clairvoyant but i don't put a title on myself it's just you know i know i have these abilities i know that i have tendencies of doing remote viewings it's really strange when people start describing something i'll kind of say some things and then they'll be like how in the hell did you know that you don't even know we haven't even told you anything about this case or this place that we're going but you're already describing things and you haven't even been there i've been astro projecting my whole life it was really weird because i can remember astro projecting as far back as where i was like three years old because i would always go to sleep and i always had the same vision in my head for a while i was always afraid to go to sleep because anytime i'd fall asleep it was like i was in a black room with like these spheres it was weird i uh i just started thinking back on this there was like these like a couple of spheres and i always saw like two people there and they would tell me come here and then it was weird it was almost like they were showing me how to astro project it was really strange and it used to scare me did you feel like that was more of a et presence or more of a spiritual presence i think it was more of a spiritual presence like they were teaching me about my abilities and it's weird because the two spirits that i saw it was a man and a woman and it, they weren't scary they were more like loving and honestly it feels like it was like i knew who they were if it makes sense at all and then it was funny because as i got older i sat down and was talking to my aunt and then she started telling me do you know that you asked her project and i said what what are you talking about and wow. this was when i was a teenager and then she started telling me some things and i said how did you know that then she said have you ever been here or been to certain places and so i started describing things and she was like that's impossible there's no way that you were even there you weren't even born yet when the things that you were describing and like this house that you're describing we would go there when we we're kids and our family isn't even tied to that property anymore. Wow. So she was like, that, there's no way that you were there. I feel that a lot of people that get involved with spiritual stuff or ghost hunting, anything of the esoteric, I feel like they're kind of chosen for this because they have this shining, if you will, in, in all different ways. Do you feel that way? I totally do. And I think that that's where I came into, you know, building ghost boxes and communicating with spirit. Because I was a, the biggest skeptic when it came to ghost boxes. I never believed in it. I owned a few and I was like, these things are just broken radios. You can't get any spirit. And I said, the only thing that's coming through is audio clips um, from radio. And I said, this is a bunch of garbage. So I was like the hugest skeptic and I kept on playing with these radios. I was getting nothing. And I said, nothing's coming through but radio. And maybe that was me being closed off to it and not believing in it and then just one day it was weird i was on an investigation and i said you know what i'm gonna break out this radio i don't believe in it i'm just gonna use it because nothing else was coming through and i was getting no no there was no activity happening and i was bored so i i broke out a radio i started asking questions nothing was coming through and right. i said okay see this is this is a bunch of crap then i started just things i was thinking and i said in my head i'm not going to ask that question 
you know, I'm just thinking of questions to ask. I was getting responses to my thoughts. And then I said, whoa, this is weird. So I started thinking instead of asking questions, I just started thinking about certain things and what I wanted to say, or just thinking about something in the location. And then all of a sudden an answer would come through. And okay. then I was like, wait a minute, this is really strange. So then I said, maybe there is kind of something there. So then I just started focusing my energy through that. And then I started getting responses. So then I started thinking, okay, well then maybe it's just your energy needs to be tied to these devices. And then the more and more I started talking to people, the more and more that they start using a, a let's say a ghost box at first, they don't get anything. Then all of a sudden they just start focusing their energy more and more on that device. Then it's like, it becomes part of you. And then you start getting more and more responses. It's just really strange. So that's what inspired you to start creating your own ghost boxes. So, yeah. So basically I bought a couple of ghost boxes. They were just poorly built. And so I ripped a couple apart and I was like, oh my God, this thing's just poorly built. So I started re-soldering everything, reconnecting everything. I just didn't like the way that it worked. So I started playing around with my own thoughts and things like that on, on spirit boxes. And yeah, it was okay. And then just all of a sudden I had an idea. It was weird. It was like, it came to me like in a dream. So it was like, okay, that's weird. So I kind of like just put it off. I didn't think anything about it. And it just kept on bugging me. Like, no, I have to do this. It's just this thought would not leave my mind. It was weird. And then it was like an obsession kind of thing. And I just kept on saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then all of a sudden I said, all right, fine. So I took that idea, built it. And then it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I sent one of my prototypes over to my buddy who's like huge into ghost boxes. I mean, he's, he has like some very rare ghost boxes that were built by certain people. They're no longer made. There was only a few made by these people. He had a Frank's box, he had a Joe's box, and then he had another uh, box called the mini box. All of those devices are very rare in the field. Yes, they are. Um, the mini box, especially. So he just said, oh my God, dude. He said, I don't know what you did, how you did it, but this thing is amazing. He said, I don't get any responses. He said, the only thing that is close to your box is a Joe's box. He said, the mini box is very temperamental. He said, but your box just blows this box away. He said, any box that I've used, he said, dude, your box is just like amazing. He asked me to build him another one. I did. Then he asked for another one. I built it. <laughs> so he just said, it's weird. He said, anytime he uses my boxes, he gets like the most incredible responses. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I mean, this is just something that I did. And then I was like, dude, they can't be that good. And he said, dude, you, you're not giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> Let me toot your horn for you because I have my box that you built for me. It's like center display when you walk into my house. <laughs> right. And everybody that is new to my home that sees it has to go up and touch it. They have to look at it. They ask me what it is. So right there in itself, when I got that delivered to me and I opened it up, I'm not exaggerating. And yes, I do have a connection. I'm able to do ITC, but I turned that box on and I was like, 
what is this magic? What is this magic? <laughs> and I just have to thank you because it's just, it runs beautifully. It runs exactly how I wanted my really good build to be. So I'm tooting your horn for you. <laughs> and I didn't mean to cut you off. I just got so excited because your friend is right. You have this ability not many box builders have. It's a rarity, just like the Frank's box, the Joe's box and stuff like that. So uh, I can attest to your talent. <laughs> yeah. No, he just said you took the Joe's box and took it to the next level. He said, I think that's where he wanted the box to be. And you were able to take that to run with it. And that was where my idea came from, believe it or not. I mean, I looked at his schematics and that was weird. I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of like what I was talking about building or was brought to build. And I said, that's weird how it's basically in line with that. Yeah. So it kind of just worked out. But anyway, so I started using my box more and more. And then I started using it on my live stream. And just the responses that I get is like, oh my God, it, it just blows me away. I think for the average layperson, what would be for them to understand the difference between a hacked ghost box and a custom ghost box and the difference between a scanning radio and a ghost box? They're all basically done the same way. I mean, a hacked radio is just basically taking like a, a radio shack radio and basically cutting a wire because anytime you scan a station and then it stops, design of the circuit is whenever it picks up a radio station, it's going to stop and pause. So when you cut a wire, it's just basically you're cutting off the, the mute. The mute is what stops it on that frequency. So when it picks up a strong frequency, it's going to keep on going. So basically, the when you cut the mute, it's going to continue scrolling through. Now, some ghost box builders will take a radio. It's like a do-it-yourself radio kit. And they will build that radio and kind of modify it. So we'll stop. It will just continually doing that. So it's basically doing the same thing, but they're basically using a circuit that they might like the way that it sounds when it's sweeping, things like that. Yes, there'll be some static during that. And there's really no way to get rid of a, get rid of static. I know a lot of people will try to get rid of static and things like that, but there's really no way to do it. The only way that you can get rid of static is have a custom tuned uh, radio that doesn't have any static like with what I'm using. My designs don't have any static and I did that by design. Some people like that. Some people don't. I do because that's gonna, it kind of gives you the ability to tell when it is radio and when you're picking up spirit. So you can tell like you're picking up radio stations because you might be getting pieces of like of a song or commercial, you know, a commercial things like that. But then sometimes like on my first live stream, we got for the first, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes of the broadcast. It was nothing but names coming through all names. And everybody was like blown away. We're like, how in the hell is this possible? If it is radio, you know, a radio station isn't just going to start broadcasting people's names. <laughs> and during the same broadcast, it was like, so I, I'll do a ghost box session and then I'll, I'll kind of like let it go for 15, 20 minutes. Or if we're not getting anything, I'll end it. Then we'll give it about five minutes. We'll just chit chat during the broadcast or the stream. I'll just take questions or we'll talk about the last session, things like that. Then we'll start it up again. 
So the next time is picking up nothing but radio and people are like commenting all that. Well, you're getting nothing but radio. And I said, no, that's true. But I said, if you listen to it, so I started explaining to people what, so when somebody's hearing a ghost box session for a first time, I try to explain to the, to the viewers, okay, when you're hearing radio, yes, you're hearing radio, but if you listen closely and if you really listen, you'll start hearing because we might ask a question and we're looking for somebody's name. And now all of a sudden we're getting a name here, a name there. You might hear a cuss word or, you know, some certain things that you won't hear on a radio broadcast. So then we start hearing those things coming through and people like, Whoa, that's weird. You know, that's not radio. And I said, see, that's what, that's what you're listening for. Right. So to read have, between the lines. Exactly. So you have to read between the lines and you have to listen carefully and really intently listen because sometimes you'll hear a lot of whispers. And that's what one of my friends was telling me when he was watching my broadcast, he said, dude, he said, your broadcasts are coming through so clear and so clean that I'm even hearing whispers in the background. And I said, exactly. I said, and those things I'm intently listening for because sometimes people are only like trying to hear like the really loud voices. I'm trying to hear the whispers coming through. That's right. what I'm listening for because sometimes that's where you're going to find the, the responses that we're looking for. So that's kind of like what I listen for. And you're right. Uh, there are people that do prefer, I'm on team Rob. I prefer the clean sweep. And then uh, I have friends that prefer that static because they're listening for things that are coming through the static. To me, it's too noisy and it's yeah. too, it's, it seems a little, it's sensory overload for me. I, I'm more listening for that clean sound so I can hear, just like you said, you can differentiate between a commercial and a song and a, a VJ talking as opposed to a name or a word or something that's corresponding to what you're looking for exactly but see like the whispers that are coming through and that's the beauty of the design of my boxes like where those whispers are coming through those are frequencies that you would normally hear static coming through and people don't realize that so it's like these are frequencies that are being picked up where you would normally hear static you're hearing whispers you have a, an option on your box that you build, and I, I don't know if you do this with all your builds, but you're able to put the sweep rate all the way up to a mode where you're getting pure spirit. Yes. And do you do that with all your builds? Not to cut you off from the other, but do you no, do that? With all every no. single build has, has that option. And the funny thing is, is I had it turned that like turned up all the way and I wasn't getting anything, right? It was just like no noise and nothing came through. So I'm like, okay, so I had to back it off. Then my, my buddy, the one that told me, he said, dude, do you know that your radios have this mode where you can turn it all the way up and you're going to get nothing but responses. And I said, wait, what, what are you talking about? And he said, do you have one of your boxes around? And I was like, no, I sell all my boxes. I don't even own one of my own boxes. And he said, dude, you need to build one and keep it. Stop doing that. <laughs> and I said, okay, fine. He said, so do you have any plans to build one? I said, actually, I'm building one this afternoon. And he said, okay. He said, you're going to keep that box. And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I built one and he said, okay, when you build it, just leave it there. He said, turn it all the way up on the sweep rate, all the way to where you're turning it uh, clockwise until it stops, leave it there. 
and I said, okay. So I, I'm sitting there, I'm doing a ghost box session and I wasn't getting anything. And I'm like, okay. And my house is haunted. I have three spirits here. Actually, there's four that I just found out. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm getting this little girl coming through. And that's one of the spirits that lives here. All of a sudden I'm hearing a little girl's voice, only her voice coming through. And I'm asking some questions and she's just saying, I'm here or yes, or, you know, things like that. She never gave me her name, never until this past weekend, I finally got her name. And it's been a couple of years that I've been trying to do this. And I was like, holy crap. So I called up my friend and I told him that I just built a box and I did what he told me to do. And he said, yeah, he said, I told you. And I was like, this is like mind blowing. And he said, dude, I'm telling you, your boxes are like so... magic. And I said, dude, I said, it's funny. You stumbled on this. I've been building, I probably built like, you know, 20 of these things. And I never even figured that out <laughs> <laughs> because I would turn it all the way and I wouldn't get anything. It was just like dead. So I'd back it off. And then he's like, no, you got to leave it there. <laughs> so no, yeah, I, all of my boxes have that ability. I know every time you post a build that you're working on, it looks like it's going to be gone. And as soon as you you're done, <laughs> do you build those just randomly when you have the time to build them? Or is it something that you're pushing to do more of? Um, no, actually, I mean, all of my boxes now I just custom build. So if anybody wants one, you know, that's when I build them. And it's funny because now I have two of my own boxes that I I keep here. I, I I have not sold them just because my friend told me, don't do it. He said, you're going to keep one. And he kind of harped on me. And I said, dude, you know, I'm not going to hold on to it just because I think about others before myself. That's just the way that I am. Yeah, you so, are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just decided, you know what? I always have to have one here. Well, now I have to. I'm forced to because I do live streams. So, and I do my live streams every Saturday night at 11.45 p.m. Pacific time. So they're called 3 a.m. Uh, live ghost box sessions, you know, 3 a.m. live ghost box sessions because I do it. At, I start at 2.45 East Coast time. So it'd be Sunday morning, Saturday night at 2.45 a.m. East Coast. Yes. So by the time I start my first ghost box session, it's 3 a.m. East Coast time. And listeners, if you want to ever check those out, he has it live streamed on YouTube and Facebook, right? That's correct. And I'm actually giving away a ghost box once I hit a thousand subs on YouTube. If you uh, do a, a search for the Pair Awakening on YouTube and subscribe to the channel, I will be giving away a ghost box. Guys, you're going to want to get in on that. And I'll put the links down in the description of this episode so you guys can link in and subscribe to him. I had seen a video where you had two ghost boxes and they were set to that like vanish mode, basically, where yeah. you're not getting any sorts of scans coming in. You're just it's silent. And it was almost like they were communicating with each yep. other. So with my buddy that um, that kind of helped me uh, that discovered that mode, he came over to my house to pick up his other box. I said, hey, you want to see something? So I had the box that I built for myself. I had the box that I built for him and we set him up outside and I said, check this out. I set him up to, we, we call it like direct communication mode. So we just turn him over to that mode. We're sitting there. I said, so here's a test. If these are picking up 
on radio, I'm going to start them both up at the same exact time. So if they're both picking up radio, we should be hearing the same responses over each radio at the same time. Right. I mean, that's right. Yeah. That's what you would so think. We turn on both of the boxes, nothing. We were hearing no responses coming through. Then him and I started talking. One of the boxes answered a question that he asked me. It responded. Awesome. And he goes, what the hell was that? He said, dude, it just answered my question. And, <laughs> and it was a relevant answer. So then all of a sudden the other box came through. I started talking and it answered my question on the other box. And then he said, whoa, this is freaking, this is like crazy. And then also we started talking and then the two boxes, it was like they were talking to each other and answering questions. And then we're like, whoa, this is weird. So then we started talking and then one box would, would respond. Like it was asking a question like response, a response question to what I just asked. And so it was like, it was a weird communication going on. It was really strange. It was cool though. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome to hear it. It was like dueling banjos in a strange way. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of spiritual and religious people that listen to this podcast. Okay. And I know okay. a lot of them wonder like, doesn't a ghost box open a portal? Isn't it like a Ouija board? And I use your build. So I can say that on my end, I communicate with primarily those that have crossed the veil or what we would consider like spirit. But I have some strays that come in that are what you would call ghosts or earthbounds. And I also have a spirit team that works with me. With you, when you're building or even when you have your radio on, do you find that A, this is a twofold question, that you have a spirit team that works with you that you know them by name? And B, do you think that you communicate more with earthbounds or is it a mix of both? Mm, I have a mix of both. A lot of people have what they call techs. It's people that they work with in ITC, right? Yes. It's like a spirit that yes. communicates with you. I really don't seem to have one um, per se. You know, I've tried to see if there was a particular person coming through as I was speaking or if, they, if I had a tech with me, working with me. And I really don't, it, it seems more spiritual with me. Yeah. Because like, if I do want to try to work, do some ITC work, I, I, it usually doesn't work that way with me. It, it's really strange. And maybe that's why I said, oh, this is a bunch of crap. Because when I first started working with it, it just never worked that way with me. It was more on a spiritual connection. And yes, uh, so basically what I do is with any type of doing any type of communication, you always want to close a session, uh, whether it's a closing prayer and you just say, whoever I communicated with has to stay bound to wherever you're located. And then just say like a closing prayer or something. Don't leave the door open. It's just like anything else. You go somewhere and you leave yourself vulnerable. So you always want to close the door whenever leaving somewhere. Actually, that ties into another question from a listener that asked if you're religious or if you're spiritual. And also when you go into an investigation, and I'm assuming I would attach this to ghost box use too. Do you say a prayer or do you protect yourself before an investigation or a session? So everybody's different. 
So, you know, some people are very religious, other people are spiritual. So what I do is I just protect myself with white light and just stay positive. That's what I do. Now I've come across some very malevolent spirit, some evil spirit, some one I've dealt with one demon and I've never really been hurt. I've been basically pushed to my limit to where I said, okay, so there's that boundary. I can't cross that boundary. So that malevolent spirit told me this is my place. This is your place. And there was like an understanding and that somewhere that I could not cross. I think it felt like, wow, this person has a lot of power, spiritual power, but that spirit set the limit. I didn't set the limit. He did or whatever it was did, if that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> and you kind of went in, did you have a protection or did you say something to keep you protected from that kind of toying with you? Um, no, I mean, I did what my opening thing, what, and everything's like internal. So as, as I'm walking through, I might put my head down and then I'm walking towards the location and I'm doing my ritual going into the location. So when that did happen, I said, okay, I'm respecting its space. And I left, I took that is I'm not welcome there. This is his place. I respect that. And I left. So you don't ever go in and battle or do you try to cross anyone that may no. need help? No, no. you just leave no. them where they are. Because I, to me, I mean, I don't agree with that. I mean, this is my beliefs. I don't agree with that. We're not set in this space to do that. That's between if there is a God or, you know, somebody else that put them there and they said, look, so I believe in purgatory. Okay. If somebody's put in purgatory, they're put there for a reason. Who is it us to say, no, you're not staying in purgatory. You need to move on. That's not our, our place. Unless they're asking for help. What if they're asking you for help? Now, if they're asking for help, I will ask how we can help you because sometimes what they're doing is they're, they want to get a message out to somebody before they can cross. And I think once that is done, I think their pieces said what they needed to get done is done. And then they can move on. When I first started my live broadcast, I didn't know where it was going to go. When I started doing my live streams, I didn't know how it was going to go. Okay. I'm going to do 3 a.m. ghost box session just because it was an experiment. When it started off as an experiment, yeah, it was, it was cool. But then people wanted to get in contact with loved ones. And I was like, okay, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. And then things started happening. We, people started getting answers. People started getting their closure. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And it was just like, wow. And that's kind of where it went. And that's where it is now. When I talk in my live streams, this isn't about me. This is about the viewer. So I'm going to do whatever the viewer wants to do, because if I just do what I want to do, that what's, what's it, that's not any fun for the viewer. So this is about you guys. Whatever you guys want to do, I will do it. If you want to do ghost box sessions, let's do ghost box sessions. If you guys want to talk about the paranormal, we'll talk about the paranormal. If you want to come on the show and talk about you need help and you want to discuss your location that's haunted and you want to ask different people's views on how to get you some help, we can do that. You know, so every it's like an open forum. But it seems like everybody just wants to communicate with a loved one and to see if they have any any messages for them or things like that. And so somebody was asking 
there was never any closure because the person died abruptly. So they asked, you know, what happened? And then so they kind of got the answer and it was weird. And we all heard that and it was like, wow, this is like so cool because somebody was just saying, well, how do you know it's not just radio? And I had two boxes going and I put them in that direct contact mode. It was all coming through the answers that they were saying. They gave us a name. It gave us how they died. It gave us things that were relevant to their question. A couple of viewers were like, oh my God, that was so cool. They were like, now I understand how this works because they were skeptic. And, yeah. and I said, look, they were skeptical. Okay. Yeah. And I understand that. And then when they heard that, they were like, oh my God, this is so cool. You just hooked me on your show. Yeah. They were just really happy with what happened. It's the most rewarding thing to be able to give somebody that gift, that communication gift. And I don't think people understand that you're taking your own personal time and you're actually helping others with it. It's kind of like a modern day Marcello Bacci. So if anyone doesn't know who that is, look it up. That's an awesome documentary. And this is what Rob's doing, but without an old tuner radio. So, but he's doing it virtually, which is just in with the times. I think that's so cool. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is like, like my shows, you know, I dedicate an hour. My shows are only like supposed to be an hour. I have never gone under three hours. Oh, wow. Um, lately, they've been going four and a half hours. Every live stream for the last month has been over four hours. Um, the last two weeks have been four and a half hours. So I'm just like, okay, guys, I really need to go to bed. It's like, you know, four o'clock in the morning here and it's seven, you know, seven something on the East Coast. And they're like, people are waking up and they're like, dude, I see that you're still on live. And they're like, don't you ever go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> I know I catch it real late sometimes before I'm heading to bed. And I'm like, it's three in the morning here because I'm on the East Coast. And I'm thinking, he's just firing it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, people do the same thing. They're like, you know, I go, I wake up to go to the bathroom or something and I see you're on. And then I go to get my, my first cup of coffee and you're still on. <laughs> what is your favorite app or device that you use? Actually, um, I mean, I, I really don't like apps, but. But um, there are some pretty cool apps out there. On the PC side, I use Extreme Senses software. There's a couple of, of ghost boxes that he uses. And I do have all of his software. I purchased all of his software like back in 2015. And then I upgraded a couple. But like there's one called Spirit Radio that I use a lot. So anything that uses IP radio stations is good. I don't like using anything that uses banks. Banks are pre-recorded audio because you don't know what they have built into those banks unless you do what I've done in the past is I've ripped out all the audio and listened to it. And they will use a lot of words that you're looking for in the paranormal, like dead, died, a ghost, ghost, spirit, things like that. Now, if you're picking up those words during a live radio, like a, a radio station, things like that. That's not, that's not normal talk on a radio broadcast. And last week during my broadcast, I had a REM pod that I have set up. I actually just sent that off to somebody. So I don't have a REM pod anymore. One that I built anyway. So I had that REM pod going off and I was asking who's sitting off the REM pod. And it said spirit. 
And then finally a name came through and this was one of the spirits that is here. I just found out he's tied with the little girl. I was talking about his name's Ed. So I said, Ed, and then the REM pod went off one time during the broadcast. I said, Ed, if that's you sitting off the REM pod, set it off again. And then it started going off again, things like that. So like I was saying, I mean, I just don't like using banked audio because like I said, there's certain things that are coming through and that's not really what you want. But if you're getting something coming through, like a word, like, or a name like Ed, or let's just say Hannah or Jennifer and things like that. Yes, those are names coming through, but what are the chances of somebody using somebody's name over a broadcast? It's pretty rare because people don't, unless they're, they're talking to a caller that's calling in is the only time that they're going to really use somebody's name. Right. Um, yeah. So, so that's why I like using things that are using like radio broadcast or something like that. Like I said, uh, an IP, IP radio station or something like that, because an IP radio station, that's basically pre-recorded audio, like a broadcast or they're broadcasting, like we're talking through now through a podcast, they're using a podcast but they're using the internet to broadcast that their signal and that uses a radio player. So it's just like basically a software radio that you're picking up these broadcasts on. That's the difference between using an IP radio station or scanner or player or something like that versus um, banked audio. There's one piece of uh, software out there called the echo Vox. I have ripped apart the way that the audio was done with that. And it's just, one second audio clips broken into thousands of clips. Yes, I put it all together and listened to it. It is an audio book, but I have gotten names. I've gotten locations. I've gotten dates. I was doing an investigation at a jail here in LA. It's a historic jail. It's no longer open. I've gotten inmates names. I've gotten so much information to where I was playing back the audio and writing down the names and then i was going back to police records and i was getting inmates names when i was doing that the person that i reached out to to get some police records they were like how are you finding out this information they're like because it's not really public records it's not because they only keep records to a certain point then they go to the archives so i was digging up archives and that's what they were doing for me and they were like how are you picking up all these names they're not out there publicly unless you have access to the archives which they're not accessible and they were like how are you finding all this all this information i told them they're like wow that's crazy so i've had success with the echo box as well but shorter clips uh short runs not long runs i think more with your physical box that I have that I use. I get actually, you know, maybe seven word strings sometimes uh, to form a sentence. But yeah, you're right. The Echo Vox does have these like quick phonetics that it drops out. And I've had pretty good success with it, though it's not my favorite to use, obviously. Right. Yeah, no. and, And I mean, to me either. I mean, it wasn't my favorite, but I mean, it was a tool that I would use whenever I would need to get names. It was working for me. And that's basically what I was doing. And then, so yeah, it was just weird. I was once in a while, I would get a couple of words through it, but it was usually just one word. Sometimes it was one word, but that equaled a sentence like, you know, as a word here, a second later, another word, 
five seconds later another word you put all those words together then it was like creating a sentence exactly like a spaced out sentence for sure exactly exactly but like you said earlier it, it does get annoying um just like static or anything else you know i can only take short first or maybe like a five minute session here, five minute session there, because it starts getting annoying. And I don't like listening to all that chatter. listener named Mike asked, do you get any clues or messages from beyond the grave that influenced you to make newer technology? Yeah, that's how my spirit box came about. You know, like I said, it came through in a dream and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And that's basically what I think it was. It was a message that somebody wanted me to continue doing this. And that's what I did. And it was weird because, you know, I took it as a joke because you second guess yourself. And and that's part of being an intuitive too, because you might get some weird, I guess, messages, maybe they're messages from beyond the grave. And then it's like, I'm not going to ask this person that a few weeks ago during one of my live streams, it was three weeks ago, we're looking for somebody's relative or something. Then all of a sudden we got a guy's name come through. I asked how he died. He said, murdered, where were you murdered? And then it said like Carolina. And I said, Carolina, where in Carolina were you murdered in the hotel room? You know, what hotel? And then they give a, a number, a room number. We said, so how were you died? And then he said, shot. <laughs> so it was like all these one words. So I said, okay, I got to end the session. We ended it. And I was like in disbelief. I was like quiet. And I said, did anybody else pick up on what we were just listening to? Or was it just me? And and some other people were like, "Um, it just gave us answers to a murder. (laughs) And I said, so I'm not the only one that picked up on that. They're like, no. I said, explain to me what you think happened. 
And then they said, no, this guy was murdered in a hotel. You even give us a room number. And I was like, okay, so I'm not the only one that was, you know, hearing that. Wow. So, yeah. And there was like five of us talking about it. I have one from Kim. Can you tell us your most frightening experience? I talked about a demonic case that I worked on. I worked on this demonic case for almost a year. And I still have the pendant that was used for the exorcism of the house. I have it hanging on my black mirror. During this case, it was pretty creepy. It was pretty intense. So we just finished cleansing the house. I had a friend of mine come in. This was in California. She flew in from Arizona to help me out. And she actually got attacked. She got possessed twice that night. And I have it all on film. And the, the guy that was talking about my ghost boxes, this is how we met. He started helping my friend out um, with the case. And then I took over the case. And he came along with me because he was documenting everything. So I had him filming. And when the possession happened the first time, I picked up my friend to carry her out. And I told him, do not stop recording this. And I said, I need it captured on film. So he recorded the whole time. And when she got outside, she started like contorting her, her hands and stuff were being all weird and her voice changed. Oh my God. Um, and the funny thing is I had the echo Vox going and the echo Vox was describing step by step on what was happening. I didn't hear all of that until later. So when I had her and I picked her up and I took her outside and she was contorting, the recorder stopped. I didn't know this. My friend was recording. He didn't realize that it stopped. So we got her outside. As soon as she kind of like snapped out of it, he's recording. And then I took the camera, I set her down and I interviewed her and asked her what happened. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, you don't remember anything. And she goes, no, she said, well, you know, I just asked you why we were outside. I said, so you don't remember what happened prior to me carrying you outside? She said, you carried me outside? And I said, you don't remember any of that? She said, no. And she was scratched. I think we counted like 38 scratches on her. 38? Yeah. I was expecting to use that magic three number again. <laughs> oh, no. They were all in threes. She saw all of these welts all over her body. And she said, what happened to me? And then she said, my neck is just burning. And I said, yeah, I said here. And I took a picture and I showed it to her. She said, what the hell? And the funny thing was it went from her neck down her arm all the way down her arm to like her bicep. It even scratched through her bra. So her and I went into the bathroom and she like pulled up her bra and I showed her where she was scratched. And then I said, here. And then she said, hold on. She took off her dress. She just dropped her dress. Then she just had scratches all over her body. Yeah, it was weird. So I was taking pictures of all the scratches. And she said, holy crap. And she said, was I attacked? And I said, yeah. And I said, I told you. And then so later we went back in and we just sat down. We're like, okay. And then all of a sudden she got attacked again. And she had all these protective jewelry because she's that's how she is. She started ripping off all that protection and then it happened again. So I picked her up to take her back outside. But this time she was like screaming and it was like a creepy, real crazy scream. 
and then so I got her back outside and we just kind of like held her there. She's like fighting me. She was like punching me. And then I just kind of restrained her. Then she snapped out of it and she said, what am I doing out here again? What am I doing outside? And I said, it happened again. She said, oh, F this. And then she wanted to go back inside. I said, you're not going back in the house. So yeah, that was probably like the, the scariest thing that has ever happened. I wasn't afraid for myself. I was just afraid for her. And then once the exorcism happened, it was just me and the person that did the exorcism that went in the house. And that was pretty bizarre. Uh, we just heard like a screaming, like a screaming banshee when it was happening. And it was coming from the back of the room. The guy was like in a trance doing it all. And he told me, whatever happens, do not get up. Just stay here. That happened. I saw like spiders coming up from the floor out of like a wood floor and then disappearing. Yeah, it was really strange. And then once he snapped out, he said, did you hear that in the back room? And I said, oh, my God, yeah. As an investigator, do you ever find yourself in fear? No, not anymore. I haven't been afraid during an investigation. God, I, I, I don't even remember when the last time I was ever afraid. I think because of everything that I have experienced. And then I think there was something that happened during an investigation to where I felt threatened. And that's when I stood up and said, no, I'm not going to be afraid. And ever since then, I've never backed down. I think that takes years to develop. Yeah, and it did. It did. Here's another thing that I can describe for everybody that I did see somebody else terrified during an investigation. So you were talking about a shadow person. So yeah. one day we're at that Adobe again. This was for another public event. I was there filming and I saw a shadow person outside on the balcony. So I looked through the door. I said, okay, I saw that shadow person. I'm going to ignore it. I want to see what happens. And then I saw it walk by again. And then this time I saw it come in the house and I said, okay, I know where you're at. So I'm just going to stand back here. At that time I was dating somebody and I said, Hey, come here. I want you to walk back here with me. And I said, but just, we're going to walk in slow. And I said, I want you to look when we walk through the door, look to the right and I'm going to film there, but I just want to see. So these two girls followed us in. I didn't know that they were behind me when they were walking behind me. And then somebody bumped in me. I looked back and I just told her, shh, be quiet. If you guys are going to be in here, just be quiet. And I just kind of whispered to her because I didn't want to catch it on camera. So as we're filming, we saw the shadow person dart across the room, black out a window, run out the door and slam the door. And those two girls started screaming. And I was like, I was kind of laughing, but I ran out the door. And at that time, the person that was hosting the event, he's like a pretty well-known ghost hunter in the area. So he was kind of like my mentor growing up. And I've known him since I was, I don't know, what, 14, 15, something like that when I first talked to him. So his wife was coming up the stairs and she said, Rob, what the hell's all this commotion? What happened? Why did you slam the door? And I said, did you see anything come out through the door? And she goes, what are you talking about? She said, no. And I told her a shadow person ran out through the door and slammed the door. And she said, I heard the door slam, but I didn't see anybody come out. So after everybody left, I played back the footage and yeah, we, we saw the shadow person. You just see it. You couldn't really see the shadow person. You just saw something black out one of the windows and then the door slams. 
So she was like, oh my God. And I said, see, it wasn't me. I was following it to see what happened. So yeah, her husband was like, oh my God, that was weird. When you first started investigating, what were the first technologies that you were using? Um, so back then, this was back in the eighties, I was using, well, there was some equipment out. So there was like some EMF detectors, things like that. But over the years I found carrying around an EMF detector, it's really not, doesn't really do anything. Yes. It's good to do baseline, you know, things like that. But I mean, I was still old school and carrying around a compass because compasses, I mean, they're so accurate. I mean, if they're going to pick up magnetic fields, they're going to pick up magnetic fields and you can see it. Now, if you ever seen a, a compass where it just starts spinning, that's a trip when that does happen. And it does happen sometimes. So you'll just see the needle just spinning. Then you know that something's just not normal. And that's why I would carry them. So back then, I mean, it was kind of like old school you just carried around a camera but at that time it was a film camera and an audio recorder and a compass and a flashlight that was pretty much it and just use so, your senses yeah and use your senses and then you know as things progressed like in the 2000s everybody started buying all you know a bunch of equipment yes i had tons of equipment i would buy everything that would just be released. And then after a while, I was like, this is all garbage. I'm wasting money because all these devices really don't do anything. And then it just became more of a distraction. You're setting up all this equipment. You're starting to monitor all this equipment. You're taking away from everything. There was a couple of times when I heard and saw something and I wasn't even set up to even capture that evidence that I just missed because I was distracted. So then after a while, I'm just like, I'm not carrying anything. Everybody's like, where's all your equipment? I have my equipment. No, you don't. Where's all your bags of equipment? I'm not carrying any of that crap anymore. I'm just carrying, this is what I have. I have a static detector. I have my camera. I have a, an audio recorder. That's all I need. And now currently, when you do an investigation, what would be the devices you would have in your arsenal? Basically, I'd take a ghost box with me, a flashlight, a recorder and camera. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Paul would like to know if you've ever run across any haunted items and if so, what were they? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, actually I have a couple in my possession. It was funny because we were filming at somewhere where we weren't, I don't condone trespassing at all. So we were at an old, mental hospital, which is now a campus here in California. I'm not going to say what it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we were there and we were just walking around. We were doing some ghost box sessions and things like that outside of the buildings. And we saw a door open. So we went into the door and then um, we're like, Hey, this door is open. I mean, we just kind of like opened up a door and it led us into kind of a wing of one of the, the kids ward. <laughs> so we were wandering around the kids ward filming and we're like, wow, this is cool. We can't believe that we're in here. So we were walking around and I picked up on the little boy again and I was just standing there just watching. And my friends noticed they're like, what are you staring at? And I said, there's a little boy over there. 
he's just standing there watching us and they're like you can see him and i said no i could sense i could sense him and then one of my friends was staring and he said dude there's like a little shadow and i said yeah i just noticed that myself because he was kind of moving so he moved over and then you could kind of see a shadow and then i said all right we'll just stay here i'm just gonna go do what you're gonna do i want to see if if he makes himself known so i'm filming at that time and nothing ever came i mean he never said any i was trying to communicate with him nothing so we left we went into some other parts of that wing and then we're like okay let's go so we walked and all of a sudden where i saw that little boy there was a telephone a little fresher price telephone sitting right there where i saw him nice and then i'm like um where did this phone come from they're like what are you talking about i said look down and they were like what the hell and i said yeah where did that come from they're like dude it wasn't there when we just when we walked through here earlier and i said why do you think i said where did that phone come from and i said that's exactly where the little boy was standing they said no that is and they're like dude that's weird so i picked it up and i put it in my backpack they said you're not taking that thing home are you and i said yeah why not it left it here and i wanted to see i'm going to bring it back we're going to come back and i'm going to see if i could communicate with that little boy so i have that phone here and do you experience anything happening with that phone um i did when i first had it because it was in my trunk of my car for god for months and i would always hear like a child uh giggling in my car and sometimes i heard a little voice uh, saying my name so i think it was attached to that phone until I took it back. So I took back the phone and I said, if there's anything attached to this phone, you have to stay here. This is where you belong. I kind of did that whole thing to re-release them there, but I still have the phone. I haven't experienced anything else after that, after I took them back. That's crazy. I don't know if I would have had the balls to take that phone back with me. <laughs> and, I ha I, and I actually have a doll that was attached to something um, from another well-known uh, location here in California. Do you get any weird stuff coming off the doll? I'm wondering if that's what keeps the little girl around too. So I have that in my garage. I haven't even, I have it put away. I don't leave it out, but I do have it put away. I just wanted to leave that in the garage just to see if, well, that's where my studio is. So I built a studio in my garage in my, it's, so it's a workshop in my studio and I keep that in here. So I tried to keep the little girl away from the house now. So I figured if I keep that in the garage, maybe that'll keep her at bay and out of the house and leave her here in the garage. Is it working? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't really had any experience in the house with the little girl in quite a while. Jen with one N wants to know how many cases a year do you investigate on average before lockdown happened? God, I was, I haven't done an investigation to be honest in quite a while. I was doing them a little too often, probably at least once a week, at least. Wow. Um, yeah. And then over the last, I would say the last four years, that went from doing them often to doing them maybe twice a year. And then even now, I, have, I haven't done an investigation. I can't even remember. I've probably done two since March. I've probably done two. Devin has a weird one. Is it possible to make an income off of being a paranormal investigator? No. 
<laughs> even being on a TV show, um, yeah, people don't make money off on you know being on a TV show. Believe it or not, uh, the pay isn't really that great. It basically covers your travel, from what some people I've talked to. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I think you would have to make your money like uh, Zach Baggins there and have a museum stuff like that going on. Well, I mean, because he's an executive producer, he set himself up really well because he he set up exclusive rights. I mean, he did it the way that I think should be done, but good luck doing that. Not all production companies will allow you to do that. They own the rights to everything. And the way that I know that is actually I was invited by the producer of Ghost Hunters to come and do a private investigation for her and her, for her boyfriend for her boyfriend's birthday. So she set up the location and she had me come out and I did it like a private investigation for her. She wanted somebody that's a real ghost hunter. <laughs> Those, were her, real words. Ghost. <laughs> Those were her words. <laughs> Let's talk Randonautica. I saw one of your adventures that you went on. I actually featured that in one of my episodes. Have you done any more Randonautica since? <laughs> No, that was kind of a weird experiment. Oh my God. In the location that it took us to, I took a ghost box with me that I just built and we went to that location and we were getting a lot of weird responses. We were getting tortured, died. We started hearing bangs that were coming from underground. So there must've been like some type of underground tunnels or something. That is um, so freaky. Had you ever been there before? Um, no. Did you know it even existed before that app? Uh, no. What do you think about that app? Um, I know that it takes you to some weird uh, locations. I mean, things that I don't know. I don't know if I believe that there was. I mean, because sometimes it's just an empty field or right. sometimes it might be somebody's house. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what to believe with that app. I just. Just that one experience for us was weird. If I got brought to that location, and I, I don't think I would have, by the way, had the balls to do that at nighttime. <laughs> so, and it was like at, I don't know, one in the morning? Yeah, and, and there's a cemetery there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What's going on? What is this place? Yeah, there was uh, some headstones there. And it's <laughs> actually right, around, right in my neighborhood. So my neighborhood's kind of weird. It's basically, I live... On the last dirt road here in town. So it's all like ranch land. So like each lot. So basically it was two owners that owned all the property on the street that I live on. So then they kind of like subdivided it. So each lot is about an acre. Some are a little bit larger. Our next door neighbors on two acres. Ours is an acre. There's another piece of land that's like five acres. And then they're like one acre increments. So it's just the way it's broken up. It's kind of cool. It's a real quiet neighborhood. There's no street lights. It's a dirt road. Like I said, this is only street that's not run by the city. It's an awesome area. Everybody, you know, rides horses down the street or they'll walk their dogs or go on walks with the kids. And I'm out there and they're like, you know, I love this area. And I said, yeah, it's really cool. Sounds like a really cool area. If you guys ever want to tune in to my live streams, like I said, I'm on on Saturday nights at 11.45 p.m. Pacific. So it's 2.45 a.m. Eastern. Like Rebecca said, uh, it's on YouTube 
and on Facebook. I'll link it for you guys to check it out. Yeah, and if you go to, like I said, I'm going to give away you know a piece of equipment, whether it's a ghost box or REM pod or you know something like that. I might even give away a couple. I don't know. <laughs> uh, knowing me, it'll probably be a couple. Um, I'm just, like I said, very giving. And if you guys have any questions on any equipment that you might be looking at or something like that, before you go out spending your money, just talk to me first. Definitely do that, guys. Definitely um, do that. The, I made the, the big mistake of not doing that. <laughs> no, because I mean, I've been there. I've spent thousands of dollars on equipment. And then after a while, it's just like, it just sits there. The Honestly, the best piece of equipment to buy, if you're going to look at a EMF detector or something like that, there's actually these little static detectors that you can find on eBay for like 13 bucks. Now, here's the reason why I carry around a static detector. Have you ever gone to an investigation where you're in a location and it feels like you just walked through spider webs? Oh yeah. And there's no spider webs there. What that is that that's static electricity. And that's kind of like what you're walking through. So it's going to make your hair stand up. And the funny thing is when I first ran into that, first thing I did was like grab my recorder, broke it out. And I started asking a lot of questions. Sometimes I didn't even have a recorder because sometimes when I'm filming, I'll do an EVP session using my video camera because it's, it has audio picked. I mean, it has a recorder going anyway. So sometimes right. I would fumble for my recorder and I'm like, crap, I left it in my bag because sometimes, you know, I, I hate carrying around a bunch of stuff and a couple of times I'll just grab things. Okay thinking I have everything and then I'm like, oh my God, I forgot my recorder. But I'm like, well, who cares? I, I'm, I have it on my, I'm recording on my camera. So I started doing a EVP session, just asking questions. Who are you? What are you doing here? Things like that. And I've gotten some crazy responses uh, just because I had that static detector, it went off and I felt the spider webs. And when I felt the spider webs, that static detector was going crazy. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's what that is when I first discovered it. So one time I was doing that, the, the day I found that little telephone, I was walking around and there was like these claw marks. And I was like, oh, look, and they look like claw marks on the door. It, obviously, somebody probably took a knife and just like gouged them out. Right. And um, and I was like, wow, check out these claw marks. And I have it on the YouTube video somewhere. So I'm recording with my camera and I'm looking at that. During the playback, I heard in my voice, it said, because I said, oh, check out these claw marks. And I said, yeah, now get the F out. In, in your my, voice? In my voice. So then I said, wait a minute. I've been hearing that quite often whenever I capture audio as I'm doing a session or doing recording during, a, during an investigation. I'm always, I was always a cameraman. I hate being in front of the camera and everybody's like, you can really tell you like being behind the camera and you could tell like what you're trying to capture or how you want to capture an investigation are the best angles to capture during an investigation. I said, yeah, because I like to be behind the camera and I'm trying to document what's happening. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. So, you know what you're looking for. And I said, yeah, it helps being an investigator and a cameraman or to be a cameraman and an investigator, because you know, the angles that you need to capture when you're trying to capture evidence in the moment. 
So anyway, during that time, I noticed we captured some crazy responses during the investigation, like where my friends are laughing at the very end of his laugh, we heard a voice in his voice. I played it back and I said, wait, that's Eric saying this, but that's impossible because he just laughed. So you can't laugh without taking a breath and speak at the same time. That's physically impossible. And I said, listen to this. And then they were like, wait a minute, how can he, there's no breath in there. It's a laugh. And then him speaking like a full sentence. And I said, that's impossible because anytime you talk and you're going to change sentences, you always take a breath, right? So you can keep on speaking, right? Cause you're going to run out of breath. So if you're laughing out loud and you're laughing for a good, you know, 10 seconds, you can't just abruptly start talking directly right after your laugh and it be continuous. Wait a minute. Wait, play that back. And I played it back again. There's no breath. It's a continuation. And I said, exactly. They said, wait a minute. If you listen, they overlap. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's like they're overlapping and there's no breath. Like and they're, they're like using the energy of his voice to propel their own voices. Yes. And I've noticed this. So I started asking other people, have you ever got anything, an EVP, when you're doing an EVP session in your voice responding back? And they said, yeah, I've heard that too. So I've had like five different EVPs. And I said, look, listen to this. And I said, I didn't say that. And they're like, but if you listen to the voice, it's a little bit, it's the pitch is off. It sounds like your voice, but it's in a different pitch. That's so weird that it was mimicking you though. Yeah. And it, that's exactly what happened. So the, I, I feel like they use your vocal cords or your energy from your voice uh, to mimic your voice. I've yeah. never thought of it in those terms. I've always thought of it as like, you know, something playing with you, a trickster or a demonic, something like that. But now that you're saying that it makes sense. I've heard other investigators have that happen as well. Yeah. Well, you've taught me some new things and the static detector is a very cool thing too, because you would never think to carry a static detector with you on an investigation. No. Now there's somebody that's kind of been ripping people off here lately or people ordering things from, from this person and, or this company, and they're not getting their products returned. There's been quite a few posts about it. Now their products, they do use uh, all their products are all static detectors. And that's why I stood behind him before he started doing this. But you can go out and buy these static detectors. They're really cheap, but they work. They're black and they do have like a little red LED that starts flashing and it does make like a, a little alarm sound when that does happen. They're under $20 and they're like the most amazing thing they have in your bag. Yeah, the 1388 radiation detector on eBay. They'll come up. They're called electromagnetic radiation detector, EMF detector but they're black. They have a digital display. They have a red button. You would pay way more for that if you were going into a specialty store for ghost hunting or anything like that. And and they do work. I mean, they work great. Um, like I said, I wouldn't steer somebody, somebody to a product that doesn't work and something that I wouldn't carry in my bag. That's not what I do. 
you know, I'm going to point somebody to a device that works. Just like somebody said, you know, what's the best recorder for doing EVP? And if you watch the old Ghost Adventures, when Nick was on there, they would use these little Olympus recorders. Those are like the best recorders that you can buy. And you can find them on eBay for like 20 bucks. I was going to say they're the little cheapy ones too. Yeah, they, well, they're, if you can find them cheap, I mean, sometimes because people know that they're really good. So, you know, people will charge like 80 bucks or something for them. But if you can find them for 20 bucks or so, yeah, grab one. Yes. Um, I actually found an Olympus, the same one that they used. I think that was, they were at Walmart for, you know, next to nothing. And yeah. And you had like the higher end EVP recorders that are, they climb right up in price. And a lot of investigators think that you need that pricey instrument. And I I'm with you. I don't think you need that at all. I think you just need you as the conduit and you to go in there with your intention. Exactly. Don't let the name fool you. It is a static detector. You can get just like one of the little plastic bags that you get. You can like kind of crinkle it up and then wave it in front of it and it will set it off because that's a uh, static electricity. Yep. Yep. If people want to tune into your live stream on Facebook, do they have to add you as you on Facebook or do you have a page that you do it on? Um, yeah. If you go to live paranormal, live paranormal, the page that I stream on, or you can go to my page, which is uh, the pair awakening on Facebook. Beautiful. That's my page also. I'll link those in the description as well. Awesome, Rob. Thank you so much. And I can also say that maybe you don't have a tech guide because you are the tech. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe they feel like I don't need a a tech guide. I don't know. Well, I think you're pretty blessed in that sense to be able to create what you create and be so giving and kind. And, and I have to do one more shout out because, you know, I had gotten, uh, well, I had a bad experience with a box builder where I ended up being swindled. Uh, he was a con man. And unfortunately they're out there. They're like bad psychics. You got good ones. You got bad ones. You got good box builders and bad box builders. And if you ever, you know, have an opportunity to purchase one of Rob's boxes, get your hands on it, guys, (laughs) do it. It's great. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you go, like I said, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can check it out. Or if you even go to the paraawakening.com, uh, you can see some of my box builds on there. I haven't updated it in a while. I just built another box for myself. It's pretty cool. It's an older type radio, classic radio. I got to post pictures up. I got to update my site. I love that all your boxes are so unique and different. I like that they're not mass produced and they're not the same thing. And that's what I think imprints on us as ITC people. We like that original thing and you know, there's not going to be another one out there. Yeah. The only ones that I kind of mass produce and they're all like the same are the ones that look like the Joe's box. Cause I'm using the same case. And that was like a little dedication to Joe. If it's in a bag, I mean, yes, they're a little, a little bit big, but they're not that big. I mean, I do have another box that I've only built a handful. I'm going to build, I think five more and they are about palm size. So or about hand size with your hand fully extended out. They're about that size and they all do have the direct contact mode. So they're simple, but they work. It's not like you have to have a degree to learn how to use these things. And yet they seem to have so many options for 
being, uh, and I don't like using the word simple, but the layout is simple. And I think a lot they, of people need that. They're very, very simple to use or easy to use. Uh, there's only a couple of buttons on there. It just takes holding down one button for a couple of seconds, let it scan through. Once it's done, then it's done. It's ready to go. And it's not noisy like some of the other boxes out there. It works. I it does. <laughs> so I commend you for getting out there and doing the investigations and having this experience and sharing these experiences with us. And as well as what you do for the community and what you do for people that do tune into your live streams. And thanks again, Rob. You've been a great guest. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. And yeah, thanks for listening to <laughs> Rebecca's show. To the Spirit Podcast. Supernatural Science. I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.